I'm Paul Levinson, and this is Light On, Light Through, and a special episode, episode 39. I'm back, as I promised, with my review of the final Harry Potter novel, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. Well, that final novel sold over 8.3 million copies in the United States in its first day of publication. It's selling like hotcakes all over the world, and I think it deserves each and every one of those sales. My wife and I purchased our copies, as well as one for our daughter, a few minutes after midnight on Saturday at a local Barnes & Noble, just a few minutes down the road from our house, a little north of New York City. Our son and his girlfriend got their copies around the same time in the city. When we left the store, kids with their copies were sitting in front, eagerly reading. I should have taken a picture. I wish everyone who thinks that literacy is dying or on the decline or Harry Potter is not having much effect on literacy. For example, there was a really foolish article in the New York Times a few weeks ago that Harry Potter was not going to have a significant long-term effect on literacy. Well, I wish the reporter of that article in the New York Times and all of those myopic people could have seen those kids reading Harry Potter. They were so eager to read it, they couldn't wait to get their hands on the novel. Now, it took me about two or three days to read it. Actually, my wife and daughter uh, read it a little more quickly. Uh, I had to take a little more time. Hey, you know, I still have to watch television. (laughs) But I also like to read at a leisurely pace. And there were so many things that I loved about the novel. I'm just going to go over a few of them here. But consider this review a work in progress, and I'll surely be back with more. Well, first, the interactions among the magical species were better than in any of the previous novels, I thought. We got to know those banking, sword-making goblins a little better. They were really well fleshed out in this novel, and they played a crucial role in the story. So did the house elves. There were giants and centaurs who put in good appearances, And Harry, Hermione, and Ron even got a chance to fly on another dragon. And in fact, all the beloved elements of the series, I thought, got a great workout in this final novel. Whether you like Patronuses or Nearly Headless Nick or the magic of wizardry painting, which enables the people in the portraits to talk to viewers, move to other frames in their vicinity, or even migrate to other portraits of themselves, wherever those portraits may be. As a media theorist, I was always especially appreciative of that. But all of that and more is here in this final novel. It was also good to see radio in the picture. There's a great scene in which Harry, Hermione, and Ron, having spent a lot of time on the run in the forest, they're cut off from what's happening to their friends and enemies. And it was really heartwarming to read in this riveting section. Ron is able to tune in a pirate radio station, Potter Watch. 
And I realized that only someone from Britain could write a scene like that so effectively, because when that country teetered on the edge of falling to the Nazis at the beginning of World War II, it was Winston Churchill's voice on the radio that kept it going. When the Allies succeeded in D-Day, Churchill is reputed to have turned to Dwight D. Eisenhower, who headed the Allied invasion, and thanked him. And Eisenhower is supposed to have said in return to Winston Churchill, well, your voice kept us, kept the British people in the war until we could come and join you, and then we could both beat the Nazis. So there was really that kind of moment with Potter Watch, the radio station that Ron tunes into and Harry, Hermione, and Ron are able to listen to. In many ways, it's symbolic of the unique British contribution to the world. There's something about the, the British creative community. It gave us the Beatles in the 1960s, and of course the Beatles are still important now. It gave us Harry Potter. And much like the Beatles, I think Harry Potter reflects this special genius that people on the other side of the Atlantic have for entertaining and educating the world. There are lots of good details in this novel about the oddities of our world, and I always enjoy in both science fiction and fantasy when you get sort of interesting behind-the-scenes explanations of oddities that we are already aware of in our common everyday lives. For example, why when you sometimes walk down a street or drive down a street, do you notice that the numbering on the houses has missed a beat? as if a number was accidentally skipped or left out. This was probably talked about in earlier novels, too, but it was good to get this inside again. And this novel was filled with those kinds of cool little insights. Here was my favorite line in the novel, Molly Weasley dueling with Bellatrix. Not my daughter, you bitch! And that was in all caps, and it was certainly well-deserved. Life and deaths, well, with a few exceptions, I thought all were warranted and deeply satisfying in the story. Especially, of course, what happened to Harry, but also the way Snape was resolved. Quibbles, well, they're inevitable. No story, even the one J.K. Rowling has given us, can be perfect for every reader. But there were so few, indeed just three really, that I can put them here in just one little blurb. One, several good people died at the end. I don't think they needed to. Their deaths were too off-scene in any case to have really played any crucial role. So I think the novel could have been better off without that. Two, I don't get why Harry, Hermione, and Ron refrain from using killing curses on the villains and confine themselves just to stuns. And three, there was an unnecessary epilogue. It would have been better, I think, to either have a complete chapter there or not have it at all. But these are really minor quibbles, small reservations to an extraordinary ending, to an extraordinary series. The Light on Light Through podcast is proud to be part of the Blueberry Network. That's blueberry with no ease dot com. You are listening to a Runaway Network podcast from runawaynetwork.com.
Yes, indeed. And the LightOnLightThrough.com podcast is now proud to be part of two networks. The Blueberry Network, which is sweet, and the Runaway Network, which is very edgy. And in fact, you'll find a lot of sweet and edgy stuff in the LightOnLightThrough.com podcast. Hey, just one flash today. I hope all of you, or at least many of you, got a chance, especially in the United States, to see the CNN YouTube Democratic presidential debate this past Monday. You know, a lot of people, including even me a little, before actually seeing the debate were saying, well, how much of an innovation will it really be? As you may know, the questions all came from people who sent in their questions on YouTube videos. So each question was a little video clip that someone sent in. There were over 3,000 video clips sent into YouTube. And a lot of people were wondering, well, but CNN is still going to choose which of these clips to show. Well, whatever happened in the choosing, I think a great job was done, and we saw a remarkable exercise and breakthrough in the democratic process. That's democratic with a small d. There'll be a Republican YouTube CNN debate this coming September. But, you know, usually, and in fact in just about all cases, the debate questions come from a panel of experts, reporters, people who cover the political beat, they're okay. I mean, the questions are okay, but inevitably they don't touch on all the issues that people are interested in. And there's nothing like really hearing the voice of just an American out there somewhere doing something, not covering a story, not a reporter, not a political expert, just a human being with a question. And I thought the candidates really rose to this occasion as well. Hillary really gave some sharp, funny answers, especially when she was asked about the election of 2000 and said, as far as she's concerned, Bush didn't really win. Barack Obama was great. He was asked, is he really an authentic African-American candidate? He says, hey, try to catch a cab in New York City. And that certainly shows who's an authentic African-American. Because sadly, it's hard for an African-American sometimes to catch a cab on a corner in New York City. But just about the whole debate was great, and I have very high hopes for the future of this election campaign if it becomes more open, more open to the people, which is the way it should be in a democratic society. And that's the sweet music of our promo suite. That means we're coming to the end of this episode of Light On, Light Through. But coming up, you'll hear a great promo for Mike Thinks. MikeThinks.com, the savviest podcast in town. Go over and take a listen. You'll definitely enjoy it. Hey, and you're going to hear a promo for Sean Farrell's patio book of my first novel, The Silk Coat. 
And Sean has actually finished the patio book now. As a special treat, you'll hear an interview that Sean did with me. Actually, I don't know how much of a treat it is for you to hear more of my voice, but Sean did do a very good interview, and you can hear that now, as well as the complete patio book. You can get it on iTunes. You can get it on Sean's webpage. Just go over to lightonlightthrough.com, and you'll find a link for it. And you'll also hear a promo for the Punk Horror Podcast as well. So listen, it's been great talking to you. I look forward to talking to you next time. In the meantime, sit back, relax, and enjoy. the Mike Thinks Podcast, www.mikethinks.com. News and current events with an opinion. The Mike Thinks Podcast. It's the news you missed. www.mikethinks.com. The Locus Award-winning novel by Paul Levinson comes to life in this free podcast novel. Journey into the ancient world. Witness the wonder of ages past and join Phil D'Amato in a struggle against forces both ruthless and unseen. Visit www.thesilkcode.blogspot.com to learn more about the author and the novel. And subscribe today at patiobooks.com. Join the battle, witness the wonder, or forever be victim to the awe and power of the Silk Code. Phil D'Amato is ready. Are you? Punk Horror Podcast, coming to you every other week from Punk Horror Press, featuring a punk and the pastor, a movie review show featuring David Giannis and Stacey Campbell, and author Red Fiction, featuring the best in horror and punk fiction. Don't miss it. Subscribe now at www.punkhorror.com.